welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim. Now, for regular listeners to the podcast, um, you'll know that the podcast and the Muslim Vibe generally is a platform um, where we want to have real conversations with real Muslims. And it's about their story and learning from, I guess, their journey and, and life experiences. We've had a range of fantastic guests on the podcast over the years. Um, ranging from politicians to activists, comedians, um, and, and kind of everything in between, I guess. Uh, now, this week's podcast topic is particularly sensitive. Um, it's something that we've wanted to discuss for a long time, um, but there's always been this kind of fear, I would say, um, in the back of our heads in terms of the kind of response and backlash that we may face. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we did the topic justice. We wanted to approach it with nuance and, and provide a, a kind of holistic-ish perspective um, rather than kind of just dipping in and out with an article or a video or whatever else that it might be. Um, the Muslim Vibe generally is a platform that exists for young Muslims in the West to be able to explore their identity, to share their thoughts as, as a sort of a space to kind of facilitate what it means to be a Muslim in the West because we don't, have enough of those, I don't feel. Um, so over the years, we've talked about topics like Islamophobia, we've approached sectarianism, and we've tried to really kind of bring Muslims together and explore our differences, but also celebrate the commonalities and, and you know, talk about the fact that we have, a co we have common struggles. Um, we've looked at the struggles that reverts face coming into Islam. But as I said, with, with this particular topic, it's something that we wanted to approach with as much nuance as possible. Um, and we wanted to kind of do it justice. Um, Ali, our guest on this week's podcast, uh, approached me. He sent me an email in November 2018. Um, and he said that he wanted to talk about Muslims who are struggling with same-sex attraction, um, but that don't want to act on their impulses something that he struggled with from a very young age um, and has kind of over time learned and, and come to terms with who he is and, and what he's experiencing and also has now moved forward and has, is kind of in a position where he's setting up an organization to help Muslims. He wants to help people who, like him, are struggling with their sexual identity. Now, we're aware that Ali's views may not be your views. You may not agree with them, but this is his story. Um, he wanted to come here today to talk about his journey, the struggle that he's faced um, and the experience that he's had actually dealing with others um, in a similar space. Um, without saying too much more, here's my conversation with Ali. Salam Ali. Welcome Salam. Thank you very much for, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Um, so I think we just should get straight in. Um, I want to start off with the email that you sent me in 2018 in November. I don't know if you remember this. Yes. Vaguely. Vaguely. I'll read it out for you just, just to, to jog your memory. Um, you said, I have an idea about an article to raise awareness for Muslims who struggle with same-sex attraction and are wondering of what therapy or options are available. We hear a lot about LGBTQ Muslims, but not the Muslims who are actually in the struggle. Mm. Um, I wanted to understand what you meant by that first. Yeah. Uh, the difference between Muslims in the struggle and LGBTQ Muslims. Right. So I remember this was, <clears throat> I'd just come back from uh, staffing from Journey into Manhood, which is a retreat run by Brothers Road, 
which is an organization which um, non-faith denominational, they help everyone. And I come back from the staffing and I really felt like this topic was not really covered in our community. Yeah. And I wanted to write articles or, you know, do something so to get the word out. Um, and that was probably the first time I decided I need to speak about it because, you know, I'm not really hearing anything yeah. in the current sphere about it. So, yeah. So I guess to, to tackle the elephant in the room, um, we're talking about, uh, well, the topic generally, obviously, about yes. homosexuality. Yes. Um, and you're referring to, I guess, same-sex attraction. That's right. Um, and and we'll, we'll get on to talking about terms and definitions sure. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... I guess what, what happened was we had a phone call after that um, mm-hmm. and, and you were telling me more about it and you basically told me that you had, you had experienced same-sex attractions and it was fascinating. I think it was meant to be like a 20-minute call which became yeah. like an hour-long phone call. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, and, and for me personally, it was, it was a very fascinating insight into something that I almost didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is that you... Um, I guess, and again, I'm putting words in your mouth, but feel free to, to correct me. But you felt that your kind of um, moral or religious uh, orientation um, with regards to how you perceived um, sex and things like that uh, was, more, was heterosexual. Mm. Um, but you, had, you were attracted to people from the same sex. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, so I... I, from a very early age, I felt um, kind of different in a sense. Mm. Um, But I couldn't pinpoint what the difference was until puberty and so on, age 12. So, uh, yeah, I think I I always felt inside, okay, this attraction, whatever it is, not really sure what it is. Um, So I would say there was a lot of confusion when I was growing up. And I think from uh, from my perspective, again, whenever I've looked at or whenever the, the topic of LGBTQ, homosexuality, Islam has come up, mm. there's always been kind of two camps. Mm. There's your traditional homosexuality is haram. Yeah. I, and I think I, I would al- almost say that there's a borderline homophobia um, within many Muslim communities as well and within quite a few faith communities generally. Yeah. You see the same in America with the with Christians as well. Um but then you've got the other side, which is like the more progressive, um, oh no, we're gay Muslims, we're, we're gay and proud and whatever else. And then when, when, when you got in touch, I, I, I realized that there was like this small portion of people that don't fit into kind of either camp, hmm. that have their own struggle that's like wedged in between. Hmm. And there's almost no platform, no voice. It, it's like a, it's an unheard of, uh, undealt with struggle hmm. within the community. Um, and that's what really kind of um it made me intrigued i guess and and off the back of that we had asked you or you suggested actually writing a series of articles Mm. because and this is the problem we've had from the muslim vibe that we've always wanted to discuss homosexuality um and approach the topic but whenever we've wanted to do it the difficulty is like bringing about that nuance because it's such a delicate topic Mm. and and Honestly speaking, having this conversation, I'm worried about the, the backlash, the response we'll get from kind of all sides, sure, yeah. whether it's organizations like Stonewall or, mm. you know, very conservative Muslims. Um, and the worrying thing is that we can't have these conversations. Mm. So for me, 
what happened at least in, in my own head i think in the same year so earlier in 2018 i had read an article um, on muslim matters called from a same-sex attracted muslim between denial and reality a distortion of religion mm. we'll put the link in the description for people that want to read that but that really kind of um changed my perspective on things because i personally thought that homosexuality or having those um th those desires were either like somehow there had been some sort of trauma in it and, and again this is these are like these biases that i've had in these kind of uh cultural i, I don't know you know what i mean this, i'm just being very kind of open and honest yeah, yeah. there but like you know there was something that must have happened in kind of childhood that that yeah that's why triggered. people uh, that's triggered it right mm -hmm. because we come from a perspective where it's like the quran states that homosexuality is a sin and I, again that's a loaded statement in itself everything sure. we say this is the problem that everything that <laughs> I, I might say or that you might say sure. has that potential to be kind of manipulated but yes we'll go with it so so that's your kind of understanding there then this article was from a brother who um has had same-sex attraction um and now kind of works within councils and has done for the last 13 years other muslims ranging from imams to regular people who have same-sex attraction um but he's also married with kids um, and he he lays out from start to finish this whole mm. situation. And there's one thing he says in the article which stuck with me. And he says that not one person wants to feel the way that they do. The people that he's helping, not one of them chose to feel this way. And, and it's not trauma. It's not. It's it's just something that's there, potentially inherent. Mm. And that in itself is a whole other conversation about is it from birth or whatever else that you you kind of you feel this way, attracted to men or whatever. But he also, and this is the definition part, he also puts two kind of terms down, same-sex attraction and same-sex experiences or encounters. Um, and, and I think it's, it's quite widely used in, in those communities, right. SSA and SSE. Mm -hmm. He also, I guess, um, talks about how same-sex attraction isn't a sin. It's the encounters mm -hmm. that where you're, where you're then... Where you're, sorry, where you're then transgressing and it becomes um, problematic from that perspective. So I was wondering, you, you've seen the article, I'm guessing. Yes, it's a very good article. Uh, credit to the brother, I think. It's perhaps one of the fewest resources which is probably out there on the moment which discusses this topic. And because the brother has lived it uh, and he's kind of gone to... Um, I mentioned it on my blog as well as a very, very good article yeah. that kind of um, is very educating. So definitely. And what you say about the the lost camp, I think it's um, one of the uh, people in US, Christopher Joyne Doyle, he actually named his organization Voice of the Voiceless because he felt that you know people of faith which are struggling with this issue and they're still reconciling their you know there's almost like a conflict in desire yeah so there's a book by joe dallas where he says conflict with desire where he's speaking about how we've got an innate desire to do something and then you've got the other desire which is godly and saying no i need to you know uh, live a God-centric life, live a life, uh, you know, which God is pleased with. So there's an inherent conflict of desires with this community, which, you know, chooses not to act out on those SSA, uh, chooses not to have uh, 
SSE as in acting out yeah. of, of the experience. So definitely, yeah. So how, how do you reconcile then or how do you feel about uh, Muslims who are LGBTQ and and proud and open and happy and, and able to kind of square that up with their understanding of religion and God? I think that's brilliant if they're, you know, uh, they're, uh, they're organizations which are helping LGBT Muslims in the sense that they're Muslims that might feel that actually these attractions I can uh, they're congruent with my faith or they come to some type of peace with them. Mm. For me personally, that wasn't the case. Um, I felt from a very, very young age that um, I didn't, it was more of a um, gender incongruence or I didn't feel masculine when I was younger. Okay. So, you know, go at like age five or, you know, very 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 young age i was like no i identify more with the female at least for me so i knew from that early age i had problems with men with masculinity from a from an early age so then when the attractions came later it was it was more of a oh, okay so that's my you know my not feeling masculine or not feeling as one of the other boys yeah. that then uh, led to that so but some people might feel no you know the attraction is something which is congruent with them and then they have a space space for that for me this wasn't the case and then I wanted to explore options where I'm saying okay where do these feelings come from of um, I don't fit in I'm not one of the boys I'm not like the other guys mm -hmm. what's the cause for these feelings can I get some support so I can speak about these feelings and say where are these coming from so so the retreat that you went on and the kind of organization that you've been involved with yes the aim there is not to try and um, convert that's people right. who are gay Muslims into straight Muslims yeah yeah absolutely it's for people that are actually struggling to reconcile and they, they feel at odds with with everything yeah that it's about it's, it's almost a support network from by the sounds of it yeah um that deals with that okay so that's that's really interesting i want to also i mean i think it would be helpful to understand your own kind of uh story so you've talked about childhood and growing up so what was that like for you like what you know you mentioned at the age of five yeah. like what how why didn't you feel masking what was it that from your perception so um, when I grew up, my my dad worked two jobs, right? So I never got to really see him. And I grew up with my sisters. So, um, and our family dynamic was such that um, it was, we. my mom's like excellent. She's brilliant, right? She made up for time, like my father's not there. And like, she's, she's absolutely brilliant. So I looked up to my mom and uh, I was the youngest child and I mm. had like el my older brother is like 13 years older than me. So he was too old for for me to really connect. And he went to college by the time I was like, uh, you know, kind of old, old enough. He, he was away. So I had no positive male influence in my life. Yeah. And when I, I remember being very young and I would use the wrong gender. You don't have this in English. We have in Urdu, you know, like the feminine gender, because yeah. that's what I grew up with. I grew up with my sisters watching whatever they were watching, playing with dolls. And, you know, and I because my father was away and or he wasn't when he was there. He was quite um, he was quite passive. Uh, so I felt that femininity was the stronger uh of of the two uh 
you know, masculinity and femininity, actually femininity is stronger. Mom's doing all the work. Mom's looking after me, you know. So I had like a really strong attachment to mom, less to dad. And if you've seen uh, psychology, what they say is that when a child is from ages to four to five, uh, a boy has to take the additional step from the girl to detach from the mother and attach to the father. And that's like saying, oh, I'm not a girl, I'm, I'm, I'm a boy. Yeah. And he has to make that psychological development. Understanding gender, I guess. Understanding, yeah, understanding how, how I am, how my body is, mm. I'm, I'm different. And um, at least for me, like even um, like in terms of uh, faith, I would look up to female Sayyida Fatima, for example, I look at female figures and I, I'd be really impressed by them because my upbringing was such that I always saw femininity as as a, you know, kind of a, um, as better. So now when I was in, say, when I started school yeah. and this is like nursery and the boys would be like rough and tumble and they'd be playing against each other and I'm like, well, what is that? No one's played rough and tumble with me. What does that actually mean? Mm. You know, because I, I grew up with, my sisters so I didn't have any kind of environment so from a very young age I had like oh I had this thing oh I'm, I'm not I'm not one of the boys I'm not you know I'm not like them and I had to like uh, I remember coming back from school and crying like this is five or six and I mm -hmm. couldn't tell anyone I was like what how, how do I even communicate this this is so complex how do I say I don't fit in you know uh what what is it that you know like uh, and i didn't want my parents to know because i didn't want them to get upset yeah. um and it was very difficult for me to uh, at that age five and six cultivate male friendships can, can i just ask though are these not just kind of ingrained gender stereotypes mm. about boys being rough and women being more effeminate in that kind of in, in that sense oh absolutely yeah like because yeah. because i don't see that as almost an issue like for a guy, to oh, absolutely, not necessarily yeah, be physical, yeah. you know what I mean. Yes. I, I don't, want, I, I don't feel, and I'm hoping you don't feel the same. That like, oh, you know, if you're a man, you have to be like an alpha. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely okay. right. But, but that was what was going through your head. That, that was you... going through my head, saying, okay. "Hang on, there's something different." Or I, they, they're playing sports, and the sports I'm playing, like with mum, is badminton. Yeah. I'm not playing. Nothing um, with badminton. Sorry? I said there's nothing wrong with badminton. There's nothing wrong with badminton. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> yeah. But it was basically the feeling of disconnect. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you're absolutely right. We stereotype things as masculine and feminine. Uh, but the what I can say is what my image of masculinity was or my feeling of connectedness with my peers, my male peers, wasn't there. So even until a very, very old age, I always had female friends because I felt safe. Whereas with the male friends, I'd either have a bullying or I'd have, oh, you know, they'd say, oh, he's a girl or, you know. And I had that from a very, very young age, that sort of disconnectedness from, from my own uh, gender, my own, mm. you know. Um, which resulted in me, uh, like not liking my body. I was like awkward. Like I didn't, I didn't have a positive body image, for example, which I, you know, uh, which is stuff which I'm now kind of learning when I'm doing my work as it is. Um, and 
it was uh, generally, you know, that feeling of I don't, I don't fit in. So when, um, and I had like traumatic experiences. Like I remember uh, at once we went somewhere and I was misbehaving and my dad shut the door. Uh, and this was late at night, 10 p.m. And he wouldn't let me in. And I was six at the time. I remember banging and saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. And uh, I had like, I had to do a lot of work around that experience because it was deeply traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I felt like I don't belong, you know, I don't belong in this community. And I'm so, um, you know, uh, that that sense of loneliness. And even like, um, say at 12, at 12, we moved from Pakistan to Manchester. And that at 12 was the age that my attractions, because puberty is hitting at that time, right? So I had this deep, uh, deep-seated uh, feeling of disconnectedness from my own gender. Uh, and I felt very comfortable with the feminine. Whereas normally at that time, you know, you have uh, this God-given age where boys think girls have cooties mm. or they're you know they're weird or they're different they're dirty yeah. Yeah, yeah and at that time the boys will go on their own they'll 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 be oh he's a boy i'm gonna play i'm gonna play with them yeah and because i i missed out on that time where i could connect with my own um with men basically yeah uh, so when puberty hit it was almost like oh the feminine is so familiar but the masculine is still this strange thing, which I don't understand. And yeah. I don't know what it is. And it's mysterious. I remember it was always mysterious because my dad was like, because for me, at least, you know, I see, I see femininity through my mother. I see masculinity through my father. And I, I was like, oh, I still don't, still don't understand him. Still don't get him. Still, still mysterious. Um, so I remember like, um, Alhamdulillah, I was like, one of the things which I did was to make up for that, I was very academic. So I used to like, uh, you know, kind of do really well in school to like compensate for the fact that, oh, I'm not fitting in. So I'm going to, I'm going to work hard. Mm. I'm, I'm going to do something. So, you know, like I, at least I have something to stand on and I'm not in the state of shame all the time where I feel like I'm, I'm different to everybody else. Um, one of the things I couldn't do from like age five, six for sports, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, because no one like really, I didn't really have anyone to play with or, you know, kind of to show me and like play ball or football or yeah. anything like that from a very young age. So I was always scared of it. And then because I was scared of it and I thought this was something different, I remember the first attraction at 12 was the PE teacher. I was like, okay, this is a person who can, um, who can do this. Who is a man. Who is a man who can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now this is the interesting point that the lust which is there is always seated with envy. So it's always a state of, okay, I can't do this, but this person can. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm, I'm mesmerized by this. I'm like, why can't I do this? And then that thing becomes attracted. And that, at that time, I was going through puberty. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that was unfamiliar to me or the thing that was mysterious to me was still masculinity. Um, 
And then I had, so the, the yearning to connect, the yearning in my heart to say, uh, I need deep male friend, friendships, I need deep male sense of connectedness, was then sexualized at that age because... Because your, your, your body started working in that way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you talk about sports um, and that being alien. So yeah, my natural instinct would be to say, why not attempt or why not get into sports? Yes, because if you see it as as alien and, and desirable, yeah, then if you achieve that, then suddenly you won't see yourself as not that. If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is what the work is. So when I I started the work, they were Am like, "Am I now a, a accredited counselor?" <laughs> <laughs> is that what just happened? Um, okay, so so that is that is I'm guessing that's part of the work. Okay, cool. That's part of the work. So that yeah, there's um, we and I think um, as a community, like for people who have same sex attractions, we come to these attractions from a place of shame. You know, this person can do something I can't. I'm in a. I shame myself yeah. essentially that this person can do it. And then the work is to work on those negative thoughts and those negative shaming beliefs and flip them around. So, like one of one of the ones which was very strong for me, the things I used to say, I'm weak. I'm weak. I can't can't do sports. So, alhamdulillah, I joined. Um, <laughs> I, I joined British military fitness. So I was like, I'm just gonna go like all in, all in, yeah, wow. yeah. And I remember I went in the the first time I went. This is back in Cheltenham, and I went in, and I threw up on the first day, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the the instructor, because the first session is like a free session, right? Yeah. And then the the instructor said. You know, when you came back the next day, I had bet money that this guy ain't going to return. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't give up that easily. And I really worked through it. And alhamdulillah, the first, uh, through doing that, I discovered I was a really good runner. Yeah. And I'd never done that before. I'd, I'd never explored. I'd never kind of explored what I was actually good at. Mm. Um, what age is all of this happening out of curiosity? This is happening now at... 23 24 after the gym experience so quite yes later. this is later so, on okay I have, I have a few questions I have, well, I have many questions but um so looking at your kind of childhood upbringing and like getting into your that puberty area you've spoken about that side of things but where does islam feature in your life at this point like was your family religious was was islam always a feature of of your upbringing were you regular at the mosque like because I, I think this is the other thing that Often the the greatest struggle, I guess, is for people that are kind of at the mosque, always there in that surrounding yeah. and all of a sudden, or like, well, not all of a sudden, but they've got this kind of almost like hidden secret that if they tell anyone, they'll be othered to another level. Absolutely. And ostracized and, yeah. and you know what I mean? Like blacklisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was what was your kind of um, yeah. experience from like a mosque perspective and how, yeah. did, how did you reconcile all of that? I mean, it's spot on what you're saying in the terms of, uh, I remember the first time I, I spoke to someone about this, um, I said, they said, what were you feeling like? And I said, I'm, uh, for example, I'm living in the UK, so I'm a Muslim, so I'm, I'm different, right? Uh, we're, we're living, I, I see people, I'm brown, people here are white, I'm different. In the Muslim sphere, I'm she, for example. Mm. I'm different. Now, in that sphere, I'm same-sex attracted. 
and I'm different. So yeah. I had cultivated so many layers where my brain said, I'm different. I'm different to the rest of them. And from a religious perspective, uh, it brought a lot of trauma. To be honest, uh, when I didn't understand what it was, yeah. I used to read the verses of the Quran and I used to think uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was uh, angry you know, he was angry at me and he didn't like me because uh, the, the story of what, you know, Lu alayhi islam, like, you know, the destruction and uh, the hadith I would hear and or from the member, people would be like, this is haram, 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 you're going to go to hell, hell, hell. And I was like, these feelings are are coming from me from inside. From you within, know, yeah. From yeah, within. Yeah. And they're coming from a very young age as in like this feeling of uh not fitting in or mm. not feeling of my gender and i felt and i i i'm raised up in a very quite religious family so my both of my parents are sayyid um and my mum you know my mum would always say um if someone does something wrong, they get one slap. But if you do something wrong, you get two slaps because we're sadat. Don't family go. The prophet. Yeah. Uh, so we we were we were raised up in a very you know kind of like a strict kind of a loving. I would still say loving environment. Yeah. Um, and I felt for because I knew at twelve that I had same sex attraction that they had developed to that level, mm. and I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell a soul until I was twenty three. Wow. So I had this um, whole period where I kept it to myself. And I used to cry probably most nights or whenever I was happy. I remembered, oh, I still have SSA. So whenever I reached a state of happiness, this thought would bring me down. And I felt I couldn't tell people. I mean, at that one of the times we were in Pakistan, you know how Pakistan is like, uh, very judgmental. I, at least I felt we live in a very judgmental thing. If I tell, or if, or if the community finds out, my family finds out, it's not so much about me. It's your family. It's my family. Yeah. My family reputation. The is that you know, like that. That would go, and it was very, very difficult. And I, you know, kind of like, um, it was probably the darkest time in my life though mm. that span where i just couldn't i couldn't speak i couldn't find any help i didn't know what to do with it you know i ignored it i was like let's focus on education i was even at the time that i thought we're not sayyid mm. i thought i wasn't sayyid because i was like oh i'm from the lineage of the prophet how how if it's if this is genetic you know if this is like that mm. why why is it you know at one point i thought god hated me so I actually distanced myself from God because I was like, um, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supposedly saying. This is what I'm feeling. And they're not matching. They're up. not matching. So how can I how can I reconcile what's an innate feeling? So when when the LGBT come and they say that, I know exactly what they mean. I know exactly what they're saying. What do you mean by that? So when they come and they say, well, this this is a feeling as as far as I know, it's come from inside. It's, you know, it was as far as I can remember, I've had this feeling. Well, yes, it was the same. It was the same for me as far as I can remember. I felt different. I felt like I was, you know, um, uh, I, 
I didn't fit in my gender. I always had this curiosity for for masculinity. So, so is your understanding that homosexuality um, or same-sex attraction is almost like a, a learned behavior? Yes. Is in that, a, is in that a how sense. you perceive it? So, because I, I guess I, I mean this is now where it gets controversial a little bit because okay. it isn't for yourself in terms of how you frame this. I, as I said, like I, I, coming from like a heterosexual perspective, yeah, I can't begin to to understand the complexities of of any of what you're talking about, right? Um, and and it's as I said, it, it's for us, it's about looking at this and and trying to understand and and look at how you, for example, reconcile everything your your religious side with how you felt. And also then what you've gone through um, and what you're you know, doing now with setting up an organization mm. that helps people who have felt the same way that you have. Mm-hmm. But by the sounds of it, and obviously you'll you continue to tell us your story, but by the sounds of it, it almost seems like there are kind of fundamental things that, has ha- that have happened in your past, in your upbringing and, and contributing factors that have led towards you're feeling attracted to the same sex. Mm, mm. Um, and I think that in itself as a notion might be controversial. Sure. I mean, this is, uh, I can't speak for everyone else and I can't validate people. But what I can validate is my story and what I felt. Fair enough. Yeah. And, you know, if it, like I say, if any anything doesn't ring true to people or they're saying well no this isn't how i felt yeah. then they're completely entitled to that okay you know okay. so this is my and as I, I always say that like you know this is uh, i've read literature and so on and it um the only, one of the reasons i came towards uh this path was i read um joseph nicolosi so he's uh he uh, really really good um psychotherapist has passed away uh, recently now and he left the first book i read was um i think it was um and he's the person who coined the term reparative reparative therapy yeah reparative therapy. and, and okay. what he talks about is and and the reason why it's so misunderstood what he was basically saying was there's a reparative drive in that male which wants to reclaim the love he missed he missed out when he was younger mm. so that's why it's called reparative it's not called reparative because there's something wrong there's something wrong with the person it's a reparative drive because that sense of brotherhood ikhwan you know like in islam we have the concept of brotherhood yeah. if that sense of brotherhood doesn't exist um with you i mean even in um i just uh since we're talking about brotherhood um and like i say i always go back to uh the quran in this um is that when hazrat lut alayhi islam when he comes to uh the people he says he says i'm i'm your brother um and he introduces himself as as his brother. I'm just trying to um, get get the verse, uh, and uh, it's it's that sense of uh, losing out as a. Um, I'll bring it later on. It's that sense of where he's saying, uh, "I'm coming to you as a trusted." 
Rasulun Amin, you know, I'm coming as someone of trust. This is me. This is your brother. And that brotherhood concept, which we, uh, which is Quranic, which you know, uh, the day the Prophet made the brothers between the Muhajirin and the Ansar, yeah, sorry, and there is so many traditions on the the importance of brotherhood and the importance of keeping that. Um, if that's taken away when you're young, then that that need becomes reparative, mm-hmm. and it's it's. It's coming sexually then later on. And it's, it's actually a... Because so, I used to think, why do I still have these feelings? Why isn't God just taking this away? It was like, oh, God's not taken away because I still have some work to do. You have to... Okay, I understand. Oh, uh, we'll get back to reparative therapy, but there's an interesting um, tradition, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that the, the prophet's first... After he declared prophethood, the first thing he said to people, the first kind of command he gave people was basically greet each other with salam and break bread together and mm. eat and it's, it's interesting because you mentioned brotherhood but like you would think the first message might be pray fast whatever it might be but mm. all it was greet each other and mm. break bread together absolutely because that that unity and that like the ummah that notion is ummah like fundamental yes so now we're, 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 we're jumping a little bit um but it's fine okay <laughs> but talking about reparative therapy um there's when I was doing some research on this, I think that the more widely used term, um, at least in the media, yes. is conversion therapy. Yes. Um, you have organizations that talk about it. There are studies in support of conversion therapy or different forms of therapy like this. Yes. And there are studies obviously against. And the studies that are for often have been discredited by the ones that are against. Obviously, it's uh, you know, science is, is one of those fields. Yes. But um is is that what you embarked on? Because I, I guess conversion therapy, if, from my understanding, is not banned in the UK. Theresa May in 2018 said she was going to ban it, mm-hmm. but it's not being promoted by the NHS and other bodies. They've signed like a mem- memorandum of understanding. Yes. So it's kind of blacklisted, but not banned, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and, and I know it's the same in many countries around the world. It's, it's, it's highly controversial. Um, so is... I guess, yeah. How, how do you perceive conversion therapy in line with reparative therapy and other forms of therapy for this? Um, and, and I guess the place that they hold in, in society. Right. So we have a, a class of therapies which come under the term SOCE, which is sexual orientation change effort. Now, the uh, APA, which is the American Psychological Association, they've written on it. Um, uh, the task force that was brought to write upon that was, uh, you know, kind of people with LGBT. So I would say it's slightly biased. Um, but in general, let's let's look at these. Uh, they're, they're also called reintegrative therapy. For uh, for example, that's another term uh, which the um, uh, Nicolosi Jr., who's the son of now Joseph Nicolosi, he he uses that. But essentially what the therapy is saying is, okay, you're from a one orientation, we're trying to bring you to another orientation. Now, this is the point where I want to introduce something that, um, and I've taken his permission, uh, Sayyid Hassan al-Sadr, so I had a conversation on him, and then say, where do we sit on this? Where does Islam, what are we talking about conversion? We've got one orientation to another orientation. 
So, and this is the thing which is quite groundbreaking, which he said. Um, and he said, he actually said this to me, Ali, when you go there, you need to start up with this statement. And he said, say, I'm not straight. Yeah, I'm not straight and I'm not gay. So we need to, Islamically, we need to come out of this box. The, the concept of heterosexuality and the concept of homosexuality doesn't exist in Islam. Right? What do I mean that, by that? I'm saying when you say, I have a sexual identity, yeah? So I'm saying, okay, because I have feelings of attractions towards men, I'm a homosexual. Or I have a feelings of attractions towards women, I'm a heterosexual. Actually, that way of identifying themselves, like one of the reasons we uh, people don't use the term gay and they use the term SSA is because they're saying the, the term gay has become so much of an identity yeah. that, you know, like, oh, this, this thing is gay or, you know, like, um, this is a gay way of life or it's become, it's almost become a, um, what we started off earlier, it's become a stereotype, you know, like yeah. you were saying, sports is a stereotype yeah. male. So gay almost has become an identity. So actually Islam, Islam says, no, there is no such thing as sexual identity. There is, let's get out of the box. Let's not think and even the terms of heterosexuality and homosexuality, we don't find these terms in literature. What we do find is we find the concept of marriage. Yeah. So we find the concept of marriage between a man and a woman. Now, for example, if you have a heterosexual and they have, they're having a boyfriend, girlfriend, again, Islam does not, in a sense, from a God-centric view, that be problematic. So in the same vein, if a, if a homosexual is attracted to another homosexual, again, they would say, okay, from a God-centric view, this is, this is out of line. Or, you know, other type of bestiality, incest, or whatever you want to call it, whatever sexual spectrum. So actually, Islam does not say, in a sense, that this is heterosexuality, this is homosexuality. Doesn't it just says and how how do I verify that? How do I say it doesn't say it? So if you if you see all the verses in the Quran which will speak about uh Komilu and what they do, it goes the Arabic is either atatuna or litatuna, and what that means is they come to or they do or they act. They act upon it because they act upon it. Then actually they've taken a difference from the identity and now they're acting upon it. So there's a difference by me saying I'm straight and me having sex, for example. Yeah. Mm. So there's a difference for me saying I'm gay and then I have gay sex, for mm. example. There's a difference. So in terms of labeling myself, oh, I'm, I'm straight. I'm gay. No, that's meaningless. What is meaningful is I live a God-centric life. Yeah. So even if I'm coming from it from a place of heterosexuality, if I'm seeing a girl which is passing down the road and she's really attractive, I have to lower my gaze because from a God-centric view, um, 
that's not right. Mm. Even though my desire even might be straight, such, even though you're attracted, even though I'm straight, I looking might, is then acting. Is that yeah, what you're saying, right? I I might have a tendency, a really high tendency to be promiscuous. Mm. You know, and uh, again, that would be a struggle. It would be a struggle to say no from a God centric view. Uh, I I hold that for my wife and only for my wife that I'm I'm having that. So we need to get out of the box in terms of uh, the the straight, the gay, the bisexual, and then have a, a move away from a self centric view because or an egocentric view. egocentric view yeah. that you know like. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, have you seen the one who takes his desires as his God? You know, mm-hmm. um, so and the interesting thing with that is the ahwa, it's the ahwa or the desires uh, is, is, is mentioned multiple times in people following their desires, people following what they're pleasing to. Uh, even in the story of Lu uh, alayhi salam, Hazrat Lu alayhi salam goes to Sam and they say, don't you have taqwa? Aren't you God cognizant? Mm. So what is he saying? He he's bringing them back to a God centric view, right? So um, and and then that's what the 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 terms which people are then using in terms of oh he's uh, he has those feelings and people are saying those feelings are wrong. Actually, that's not what Islam is saying. Islam is acknowledging the feelings. Islam is acknowledging, yes, we there are desires. people. There are people who are born with mm. different desires. There are people who are, have different struggles, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, some people have, they say, oh, I have attraction to my own family, family members, for example. And they say, oh, this is coming from a very natural place. You know, uh, people might have um, sexual attractions to other things. They'd be like, oh, this is coming from, and it may well be, it may well be that the way that they've brought up or their environment has, like in my sense, it's been fem- feminine based or I had that struggle so that my environment has been such that's cultivated me that I'm, you know, um, or I've I've ended up in a place where I have these attractions and they're so innate. They're like they're so innate that I can't really, mm. you know. It's uh, but just because, for example, if I like eating chocolate, that doesn't mean chocolate people like these things. You know, it's a preference. It's a preference at the end of the day. It's interesting. Um, I mean, this whole thing is 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 fascinating. But when you talk about um, it being innate and, and like what, what's interesting is that god centricity um and mm-hmm. ego centricity uh we've spoken about this on the muslim by podcast before not not me and you but like with previous guests when we were looking at kind of mental health and talking to counselors and things like that and where the kind of western uh non-religious non-islamic perspective is very egocentric it's about what makes you feel good what makes you feel better, what makes you feel right. Mm. But our notion as Muslims, it's, it's about God-centricity. So mm. how do we kind of gravitate ourselves around God um, to complete ourselves, if that makes sense? That's and that's right. that's the anchor that we kind of use in everything. Yes. So it's interesting to hear you use the same uh, concepts and terms, 
but yeah. applying it to sexuality and orientation and lust and attraction and all these things. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think the 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 controversy around um, the therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, what's I think very unhelpful, and even I would argue like re- re- reparative therapy. All of these terms, even convert. I mean, conversion therapy in itself. It, it, it sounds wrong. It, it sounds it? wrong, yeah. right? But you also spoke about um, calling yourself straight or gay or whatever it might be, yeah. and the the whole space now. And I don't, I didn't want to get into talking about RSC and schools and whatever else. Sure. But it's become such a loaded environment mm-hmm. where all of these terms, even LGBTQ, mm-hmm. um, depending on what setting it's in, it'll either get a round of applause or a tuck from people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's but and they all mean something. So like when someone identifies in a certain way and. I mean, look at Twitter. Yeah. Twitter bios have yes. become so long because people are identifying themselves in so many different ways. Yes. Stating the the acronyms they want to be known as. Yes. He and, and him. Yes. And it's, all of this stuff. Yeah. And it's 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 all become so almost politicized, if that makes sense. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very unhelpful because it doesn't then allow us to have like open conversations about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Look at, for example, um, the ex-leader of the Lib Dem party. I think his name is Tim Farron, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think it was Tim Farron. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look that up. I can't remember his name, actually. But he was made to step down because of his views. Oh, I remember, yes. Um, on, yeah. on the whole LGBTQ issue. Yeah. And what's unfortunate, I feel, is that whilst there is a space for people, and I, I think, you know, fine, in a secular society... Whilst there's a space for people who are, or, you know, who are LGBTQ yeah. to kind of express themselves and to have their kind of rights as minorities protected, yeah, religious or, or people of of certain faiths that believe the act of committing homosexuality to be a sin are not afforded any kind of freedom of belief, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah, and I think, I mean, that's if if people me and put me with lgbt is fine because essentially what we're talking about is we're talking about people who have felt marginalized yeah right so people who've um lgbt however they want to identify themselves they're basically saying look we've we don't feel like you know whatever the rest of the people are feeling like we have a different sexual identity and um no doubt they uh, they experience discrimination, they experience hate, they experience um, uh, a lot of difficulties because because of having that difference. Oh, this person's not heterosexual. Oh, you know, and I think we, you know, as Muslims, as as people of faith, we need we need to do better. We need to be like, why is it a shock? Yeah. Why is it you know? When uh, Quranically, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in so many, I was counting the different ayahs where he's uh, bringing Prophet Luke. Why do you think he's doing that? He's doing that because there are going to be people from the Ummah which are going to have sexual differences. They're going to have, you know, they're going to grow up. They're going to have different identities. They're going to have different attractions. So... We even have this in our hadith in the end age. This will be what's happening. And, you know, there, there was so... I, I remember in terms of identity, I used to... 
I used to say, Allah SWT, you could have given me anything. Why did you give me this? You know, mm. why this? Out of everything, you could have given me this. But now I've changed and I've said, Alhamdulillah, 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 I have, I have these feelings. I actually am grateful I have these feelings and I have these acceptance because if it wasn't for these feelings, I wouldn't have gone towards God. And that's, that's the beautiful thing. I wouldn't have gone towards God if I didn't have these feelings. And then it, then it makes sense that actually what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing is he's, he's taking different routes to people, you know, or he's uh, putting certain challenges in people's lives um and whether they choose to identify as whatever at the end of the day like i say the uh, and in the organizations we got the strong support the the holistic idea is to go towards that point of god centricity we don't mind how people choose to identify themselves you know um you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving he's he accepts all you know yeah. and our centers should be such as such that they're accepting they're accepting of people of different identities uh and as long as um you know people are striving to lead a god centric life we shouldn't be pushing them away we shouldn't be saying oh this person is is even a person comes to the mosque they're active gay that person's coming to the mosque. They're mm. coming for a reason. Maybe Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's, you know, guiding them. Maybe they're having some type of guidance. Yeah. Why are we so, you know, kind of uh, judgmental in terms of identities? When in terms of what uh, what I was saying is, identity as such, under my, uh, you know, my knowledge doesn't exist in Islam. Islam basically says. Look, this is the best way, which is a husband and a wife, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set, and this is the best way. And the, the importance of family, like marriage is the most important context in Islam. It's a pillar. It's a pillar because everything from mother and father, everything, you know, we've got the most beautiful of families. You mm -hmm. know, for example, we have the, uh, or, or take the example of uh, Imam Ali, uh, Sayyidah Fatima, or the Prophet and Khadija, uh, you know, peace be upon them all, uh, that actually it's the family which is, which is going, and, and you have to go back to the family and then say, actually, for me, if I had, say, uh, a father which is present, you know, or uh, or some type of masculinity if i had that family structure then that is the family structure which is then upholding the the society never mind we might have i might have children who have varying identities you know they choose to identify themselves differently mm. it's maybe it's a test maybe god god god's given me as a test i've got an innate feeling inside me which is different to maybe what the other people are feeling. But what it does is it reminds me of God. It reminds me of him each time I have that. I'm like, uh, I always think, is Allah's love higher or is this lust higher? Which, you know, there's always a competition. There's always a competition. And you can be uh, heterosexual, you could be whatever, pansexual. And you've still got you, you you've still still have have that, that dynamic at it's, play. It's, it's the same. There's something you, you mentioned, and, and it brings me back to this kind of really cliche saying 
um that's like don't judge someone because they sin differently from you yes um and i always think about how in the community and I, i'm you know I, I i regular at my local center um and you know obviously it's a community so you know people you find out about their lives you mm. all of that kind of stuff and it's almost like some sins are acceptable mm. but others are not and we judge and we mm. ostracize people for certain things yes but not for others so like in my community for example alcohol is a taboo yes no one talks about it no one yes. no one is known to openly drink yes but someone did a survey um one of the one of the bodies within the within the community center did a, there was a survey and and there's a, a an astonishingly high percentage of people mm-hmm. that drink yeah and it's just an unspoken problem within the community yes um and and yeah, at the same time, when you have things like tax fraud and all of this kind of stuff, yes. it's like, okay, that happens, but okay, fine, you know, whatever, let's, let's carry on, right? It's socially acceptable. It's socially acceptable. Yeah. There are so many sins that are kind of socially acceptable, and we don't judge people in the same way we do Absolutely. when there's um, when it's something that you, you see as alien or problematic. And I think yeah. that also stems from, I mean, if you look in the UK, as kids growing up, mm-hmm. it was normal to call someone gay as yeah. like an insult yeah uh, look you're so gay yeah 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 and that was normal yeah yeah and now if you do that in school you probably get like kicked out yeah you know what i mean you get yeah. suspended or something yeah and and i think it, it, it's it's a good thing that like yes. we've obviously yes. progressed in terms of where we are and yes. the things that are unacceptable um but there's just there's still a, I think a long way to go within the Muslim communities in the UK at least um, in terms of like having a mature conversation around these things. Now I I I think that's where some of the work that you inshallah will be doing will be fascinating and will hopefully open a lot of doors in that sense. But I wanted to kind of continue the journey with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> talk, talking about your own thing. So yeah, uh, I, I'm still a bit taken aback um, by the fact that you mentioned that you haven't you hadn't told anyone until the age of 23. Um, yeah which is uh, astonishing and, and i mean you're you're incredibly brave um and, and, a, and a, a stronger person than i am to, to be able to endure 23 years of like that kind of suffering mm-hmm. in complete silence so uh, i'm like my hat off to you in that sense but when you did then open up about it um I'm sure you told your family. I mean, if you're telling me here, then I'm sure your family <laughs> and everyone else kind of yes, is yeah. aware of the struggle. But so if we, if we look at your kind of the first 23 years as like the darker days okay, of your life, yes. because that was no one knew what was going on. Yes. Then from 23, how old are you now? I'm 29. 29. Yeah. So, from, so, so you're in your mid-20s now. Yes. You've finally accepted and acknowledged this is a problem. Yes. I want to know two things. So firstly, what were you doing in those darker days yes with regards to kind of figuring out what was going on yeah and like how did you you know what i mean like so yeah the kinds of therapy um stuff that we've talked about and i guess your own journey i'm sure you've been to therapists and you've been on these retreats that you mentioned yes when did that all factor in how did you find that um what were the resources that you kind of went to so imagining or i guess putting yourself back in those shoes where i guess the internet wasn't as much of a thriving place as it is now where you can find yes. all these communities and I know you've also, I mean, feel free to talk about it, but you've you've set up your own Tumblr account and Facebook page yes. for Muslims in this position. Yeah. But what was it like at the beginning of the journey for you? So if I if I go at the start when I was looking for help and the thing was well, at 12, because I was 
I'm like, a, from day one, I was an IT geek. You know, I was yeah. like, I, I work in IT. So um, the the biggest issue for me when I was growing up was pornography, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, so you can, this it's readily accessible, you know. And I think at age 12, because I was exposed to it and you're exposed to it at that young age, it was then a repetitive behavior for me, you know. So until 12, 19, it was like, especially when you're going through teenage, that was a huge, and that was the thing that was bringing me shame. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I'd never went and acted upon uh, the desires. I, I've, yes, I've used like in, in, in my time, I used like these, there's apps, you know, these apps, gay apps, things like that. But I've never, alhamdulillah, committed, you know, like done, you know, like had yeah. sex with someone. But even the fact that, you know, I have these feelings, I'm acting upon them in a the wrong way with pornography. What do I do? And this, 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 there's this lust cycle, which, mm. I'm, which I'm continuing. And it wasn't until very, very late in my journey that I was able to throw that and then say, okay, this is, this is God-centricity and this is self-centricity. Mm -hmm. And I think like, as if you felt a certain way and you've done a certain way for 23 years, you're not going to flick a switch and things are going to change. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so when I approached help at 23, I went to my university counselor because at that time I was um, trying to reset half of my year at Bristol. I was working uh as an internship i was learning to drive at the same time and so i, I had you wanted more on your plate so you thought let's also see a therapist and <laughs> deal with issues that i've been dealing with my whole life yeah so it was just <laughs> like at that age it was just so much on my plate and i remember driving and uh, my driving instructor went to me and he said ali i don't know what's wrong with you but your brain's not focused I don't know what I'm saying, but it's just not getting through. And at that point, I realized that I was overburdened and there were so many things going on in my head. Yeah. And at that point, I felt like for a week or two, I didn't want to leave my room. Mm. Um, and when I finally went to the counselor, they said, you're having early signs of depression that, you know, you're you're not um you're not at the the state and then i said i need to tell someone and then the first person i told was this university counselor and i can't tell you the weight that was lifted by telling a, a single soul that i had this because i hadn't told anyone um and then she was like how are you feeling i was like you know like i'm i'm feeling a lot better no one's gone berserk because i've said this mm -hmm. you know the world is still the world here. is still yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world is still here um and um and then so on then i i started thinking oh actually you know um let's let's look into this let's instead of ignoring it let's let's because obviously it's having um it's having such an impact that I can't learn driving or I can't, I was doing a lot at that time, but I was thinking, I can't live with this. I need, I need to address this. I, I need to get help. And um, it was at that point that um, 
miraculously, the Brothers Road, they had, um, I went on their website and they had the next retreat, they, which was... How, how did you find their website? So I used to Google and I used to, the first thing I Googled was uh, Muslims gay or something. Actually, this is funny because my, my blog's called Gay Muslims for that reason, gaymuslims.tumblr.com. Uh, because I, that was what I was searching at mm-hmm. the start. I was thinking, how do I put this? Um, and I found them as, you know, I was writing same-sex attracted, help for same-sex attracted. Um, I, I, through Google, I found it. And their retreat, their next retreat was in England. And it was Southwest England. At the time, I was living in Bristol. And I was like, God, this is a big, big clue. You know, <laughs> yeah. need to, I need to go to this. Yeah. And uh, I still remember the day which I went. It was uh, April 20, 21st, 2013. Um, and I went to that retreat and my life changed. And my life changed in a sense that I could see there were people like me and I wasn't the only one, mm. that there was hope. I had seen that there are people who've gone through this journey and they're married and they're, you know, they're in a, in a life. I had never seen that. And I, for the first time, I... I felt there was a community. There's a community which, and this this is a beautiful community, uh, which I you know uh, credit credit to Brothers Road, credit to Rich Weiler what he's doing. Um, I made friendships. I've made friendships with Israelis over there, you know, which were uh, religiously. It'd be oh, they're they're politically apart, um, and you know this this type of interfaith work this type of thing is what i think eventually uh you know when we come under the world and inshallah when the imam comes we'll have this interfaith where it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you're coming from what you know what part of the world is you're coming towards to a central truth and Mm -hmm. through this organization i really felt that i felt that brotherhood in a sense which i hadn't felt in my own community or in my own sphere, I felt that brotherhood in that community saying, oh, you're, I'm like them, I'm exactly like them, I fit in. Um, and I stayed with, so we, we had that April 2021, 20, 2013, and after that, they had like weekly video calls, and I stuck with those video calls for maybe four years. So every week, I was in a group video call, and we used to discuss about, okay, what's going on? What's going on in your life, you know? Um, I wouldn't call it therapy. I would call it like group group counseling. Um, and we worked on, I mean, there was, if, if I could sum up what the work is, it was building my self-esteem. And the funny thing is when people say, oh, so you've got a sexuality problem. So they probably teach you how to be straight. No. You know, that's not what they teach. What they're teaching is what are the negative stories you keep telling yourselves? What are the negative beliefs you keep telling yourselves? Mm. Um, What are the positive affirmations you can take? How can you shift those negative beliefs into positive affirmations? What uh, they use the term shadows. What's the like dark shadows which you still have, you know? Um, And the work was about letting go of shame and building my self-esteem, building my self-esteem to a point where when I'm looking at a man, I'm looking at a mirror. I'm not looking at 
someone something that different. you desire something yeah. that you want okay i'm so i'm building up myself and all the work all the work is you know uh is to do around self esteem uh what are the things which i feel i'm lacking if if i if i like we mentioned earlier i felt i couldn't do sports okay let's let's look at that let mm. let's try and do that let's break that negative belief so so all this work only started after the retreat after the retreat yes so it is what was crazy for me is that like when we started talking at the beginning mm. um about your your kind of child and upbringing i assumed that like midway through your teens you kind of got hold of this a little bit and knew what you were doing no <laughs> um but that but that's that's uh, like it's incredible um yeah. it, it's because for me if you don't show me if you don't show me there's a way or if if it doesn't you know like in, in the quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and these are people who are doing tajhaloon you know he, he uses or mufsidun he says to kamilu in a sense they're acting ignorantly what does that ignorant mean it means they don't know hmm. they don't know they don't know that there's a uh, there's an alternative they don't know there's you know uh, i i was in the dark uh, I remember I spoke to a scholar in Qom and they said, why are you so negative? Why are you so negative as you think that? Because I was like, God's never going to take this away from me. And they were like, why is that? You know, why do you have that? Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, I couldn't see that I was inherently very, very negative. I felt that I'm always going to have this. My, my thoughts used to say, this is never going to go away. And I'm mm. always going to have this. And I'll always have to hide it. And that was which, unfortunately, so many Muslims now, perhaps, or so many people now are still in that, well, they call it closet or whatever. They're still in that zone yeah. where... Um, I feel like it just becomes compounded, right? Where like we all sin, we all have our issues, we all have difficulty connecting with God at very, you know, we have peaks and troughs in life. Yes. But then, and we have, I, I'm sure people have guilt and shame over that anyway. Yeah. But then to add layers on top of that, yes. and like you were talking earlier about identity for yourself. Yeah. And being Asian and then being Muslim and then also being Shia within that. Mm. Um, and, and just having like all of these different things yes. that become problematic and difficult for you to reconcile. Yeah. And then chuck in this sort of live wire yeah. of this whole issue of sexuality. Yeah. And I think what, what this is the thing, what, for, for me, what kind of makes matters worse is the perception that it has in society. And like, again, in Muslim communities, and I feel it is, is a genuine problem that needs addressing. Mm. That like whenever I've had, because after I read the Muslim Matters article that I mentioned, mm. um, and I hope people will read it as well. It's in, it will be in the description. It's a good article, definitely. It, yeah. It's a fantastic article. But after I read that, I had so many conversations with people about this. Mm. And responses were very varied. Some were just like, "No, they're they're lying." Yeah, like, "No, that, that's not true." People are, don't. Uh, people choose to feel this way, blah blah, because they can't get girls because this, because that. Yeah. Um. And and you had people that were like, "Okay, this is actually really interesting. This is fascinating." But then, like, there's also no follow up, right? It, it's very difficult because I I think for for us, you know from a you know from a kind of heterosexual normal perspective i know these are all labels which we want to kind of get rid of but you know from a from not understanding the struggle perspective let's say mm -hmm. uh, it's very dif difficult to um to kind of do anything about it 
Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, okay, Alhamdulillah, I've, I've read a bunch of stuff and I've, I've had a conversation with you and that's now shifted my perception on it. Yeah. And to be honest, like the one action that I take is that whenever people are talking about this stuff, whenever people are being homophobic, for example, I'm a lot more inclined to try and call it out because I don't think these attitudes are healthy and should exist within our communities, within society at large. And, and I think there still is this perception, um, at least in the UK, that Muslims are homophobic yeah. and that Islam is homophobic. But yes. that's, that's anything but the case, right? Yes. And the issue is that unfortunately some Muslims are homophobic and, and act accordingly. And that for me is fundamentally what needs to be fixed. And at the same time, mm-hmm. we need to create those infrastructures within our communities to kind of facilitate that development. Um, so again, coming back to, to your story, and I think what's interesting as well mm-hmm. is that the reason that you're speaking to me today, um, in your email, I don't know if I read it out, but in your email yeah. at the beginning, you mentioned that you wanted to write the blogs anonymously. Yes. Um, and then to, I told you, we, we have meetings about wanting to discuss this topic and, yes. and you had you had you had written two blogs for us which we never published because we wanted the whole series yeah and we wanted to publish publish them weekly yes um and and nuri and Hasib in the office were giving me a hard time they're like oh where's this series you promised us <laughs> november yeah. you said it was know, gonna yeah. come and sorry and, <laughs> no, no that's fine so i messaged you and you were like oh actually um i i've i've decided that i want to start speaking about this and i also i guess to to fill in the story even more um, I saw on Facebook in April, I believe, that you got married. Yes. And that wasn't the case or on the cards when we spoke in no, November. So I was no. like, okay, a lot has happened yeah. in Ali's life. Yes. Um, and so I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about, I guess, like the, the, the kind of future now. Right. Okay. Um, and the stuff that you want to do. Yes. Um, and then also about your marriage. I don't know which one you want to talk about first. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we can talk about the change and from... From when I in November, I think yeah, it was. yeah, 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 because because I, I think you were still in a good place, yeah. In because I've I, I mean I, I've got um, a friend of mine who's who's Muslim um, and and is gay, mm. uh, or you know you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and kind of like I've I've seen his journey kind of progress in his own down his own path, yes. Um, but it's everyone's got their own journey, and you know you can talk to someone Absolutely. in January and they're on top of the world, and then March they're down in the dumps, and then in yeah. in April that's the month after March, yeah, they're they're you know they're they're fine again. They can reconcile things. Struggled with the months there a little bit. That's fine, um, but uh, that's the that's the difficulty. I think that you never know where where people write in their own head. Absolutely, yeah. And so what's, I guess, what's changed for you? We're now in August, right? Yeah. I'm literally losing track of time. But we're in August. Yeah. It's been almost a year um, since then. You've since got married and are on the verge of setting up an organization. Yes. Um, So explain. Okay. Yeah, so a lot happened. Um, So when I I had staffed uh, Journey into Manhood in Poland, and I'd come back and I had this real urge to do something in the community for it. Because it's almost like, oh, I've got work and then I've got this and I compartmentalize things. And I have so much work which I'm doing presently uh, with the Manchester community. Um, As in the Muslim community? The Muslim community, yeah. Um, I have so much responsibilities there that I wasn't finding any time to do this work. Mm. So um, I felt, um, so I went 
the bit which I've not told is they have another retreat which is in Indiana and it's called Journey Beyond, right? And this is a retreat which I've been wanting to go for a long time. Um, and it's like a five-day retreat. And I went when I went on this retreat and I was thinking, oh, Journey into Manhood changed my life. This this retreat's not gonna, you know, who can top that, you know? Uh, and I went and one of the biggest things that was still with me, which I touched upon earlier, was body shame. Yeah. And I was able to break the body shame wound during that retreat. And I felt, and over there they had a huge, they had like the staff was like 60 staff people and it takes them one year to organize. It's a lot of work they put into it. And it's all voluntary. And I felt after that experience so so guilty that I couldn't bring this to my community where it had brought me so much healing it brought me um it had changed my life and then that experience um and again they touched over there they touched the topic of god centricity even in that it, mm. they, they touched the topic of don't think about yourself now think about other people you know and towards the end i don't want to give it away because obviously it's um the one ex ruined experience of people um but again that was journey beyond was again life life changing uh even more than they say it's like gym on steroids <laughs> uh so it was a whole whole uh different level yeah um and then i said there you make a mission statement and my mission was i you know um i'd like to create a world of love and authentic authenticity where i can speak my truth and encourage other people's too and they said okay so what do you mean by speaking the truth and there's so many ahadiths which talk about uh the jihad of speaking a truth and speaking a truth in front of a tyrant or if it's speaking a truth and where you know there's a falsehood and i said no i want to speak the truth and i and if no one in the community in the muslim community at the moment is doing well i want to be that person and go in and speak the truth and i said um i had uh, alhamdulillah the um I probably have to say it. So I, I work I work with at the moment IUS. IUS. IUS is not uh, associated because obviously this is my own thing. I've not really discussed it with them, so I don't want to get them in trouble. But we have projects where we have a school in Pakistan. We've got orphan projects. Um, it's a, it's a growing organization. We've done so much good work. I'm saying, oh my God, I'm doing really good work with schools in Pakistan with orphans in Iraq uh with mental health um but then it came to me and i thought so who's doing anything about this issue in the community and no or at least i couldn't see any mm. you know anything that being done and then the concept came to me okay so if no one's doing something about it don't you think you should do something on it and then it was almost like a pick between two good things isn't yeah, it yeah. so i said and i then and I thought, okay, what would I have to do? I said, well, for it to be meaningful, I'd have to go public. You know, I'd have to kind of share mm. this quite intimate experience in my life. I'd have to bring it public. And I and I said to God, okay, if that's what it takes, then that's what I'm going to do. You know, um, 
you know, I said this before to you, I'm not in it for self-promotion. Yeah, I'm yeah. really not. I'm in it. So the truth, haq, deen al-haq, yuzur al-deen al-kulleh, you know. Uh, the, for me, religion is truth. It's truth. And it's no more... Uh, no more than that. In the Quran, it says, you know, like so many times, "Wadin uh, al-Haq" or "Quran is Haq." And I always say this: if the if a truth better than Islam comes to me, I will follow that. So I said, I need to speak my truth in this. I mm. need to say, I was in a very very dark place. I was in a very difficult place and I can connect with the community out there which are in that place and that's what my organization's there for. Yeah. It's to for for the struggle which I face, for the difficulty and the anger and the anguish of the community saying, why isn't everyone anyone doing anything about this? I had so much frustration in the community saying, why isn't anyone speaking about this? Why aren't we creating any platforms? Why aren't we doing anything? And, you know, sometimes, alhamdulillah, Allah puts anger in a positive way, yeah. you know. Um, and I said, no, okay, let's let's do this. Let's go forward. And I have to say the biggest, biggest support in all of this is my wife. My wife is my biggest, biggest support in this because I didn't want her, her, because of me, because of what I'm doing for the spotlight to go on her or her family or what's happening with her. And I said, I, when I, before I approached her, before the marriage, like, I think this was like, uh, we were speaking since um, May, uh, May 20, uh, was it, uh, May last year. And we were, uh, actually, we started speaking on um, 15 of Shaban. That was our first, first time we, we started speaking. And it was funny because it was 15 Shaban when we got married. married. It was it was nice. just one year later. It was one exactly one Islamic exactly one, year. Nice. one Islamic year later. And um, uh, it, I I spoke to I spoke to her like in May and stuff. And then we went in Pakistan in November to see her. So I've been speaking since May. And on the second day, she opened up to me about her issues, like her personal struggles and things. I was like, you know, I was thinking, that's what you got. <laughs> <laughs> Is, Is that, that what you got? Oh, I can top that. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, uh, oh, so I've got this. And then she was like, wow. And she was like, so I'm okay with it. And I was like, what? <laughs> because I was expecting her to you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, freak out and then say, and she was like, I was like, no sleep yeah sleep. like process what i've just told process. you yeah. <laughs> what i'm saying to you and uh she said the i called her the day after and she said i've slept i've done this she loves this takhara. so she said I, I i've done this takhara and it's positive i'm not getting anything and i was like are you are you completely sure and she said yes and even like even today now she's she's away she's enjoying london at the moment and she's she's my biggest support because she's there. She's like, no, this is truth. You need you need you need to do mm. this work. You need to tell people. I mean, I was gonna ask you how how your your family feel felt about all of this stuff. Yeah, because like you mentioned, it's you know your fear early on was the impact on your family. Yes. And now, you know, I think alhamdulillah for yourself, you're you're in a much better place in terms of how you perceive yourself, your insecurities and everything else. Yeah. And you want to be able to help people in a similar position. Yes. But the route that you've identified to do that is by talking 
publicly yes. and putting your face to the problem and saying yes. that, look, I've dealt with this. Yes. And owning that as well is huge. Yeah. Like I asked you a couple of times when we spoke on the phone, like, yeah. are you sure you want to do this? We can blur your, I mean, we don't need to film it. We can change your name. We can yeah. change your voice. Yeah. But you are adamant. Yes. That, that you want to talk about yes. this and you want to be able to do this. And that off the back of this, you also want to kind of create an organization yes. that caters specifically for the Muslim community yes. and for Muslims who experience um, the similar struggles that you've experienced. Yes. And I think, honestly speaking, that's remarkable. Um, and and it's, it's, it's fantastic. Like, you know, as we said early on, People that are able to to square this to, to reconcile being gay and Muslim, that's fine. That's their own kind of um, perception of things, and mm. and you know, to each their own ultimately. But you've identified, and I was going to ask you as well what the experience was like through the blog mm. of how many people you spoke to and how many people came forward and had the conversation there. But you're now catering for you know the the voiceless that that we discussed earlier, yes. um, a kind of portion of society that. Uh, a, a deep inner struggle and up until now I've not seen uh, a, an answer or a solution from within the community yes and and pretty much every time you've spoken I've come back as in today and I've been like our communities need to do more and what you're doing is you're saying screw it I'll do it myself yeah yeah um, which is honestly just just unbelievable and like I mean kudos to you for that because that's incredible yeah um but tell me so so I wonder the first thing is running the blog that you ran mm-hmm. or you still run i'm guessing right yeah what's what's the response to that been like how many people do you interact with what kind of help have you offered given whatever else yes and then with the organization what's the actual plan okay because I, I, my worry about this podcast about everything you're doing and everything generally is just the the backlash yes. from organizations from in from whoever it might be like it's and, and i'm i'm genuinely trying to approach this um, with as much kind of uh, humility as possible and just saying, look, mm-hmm. I don't know. I know I have cultural biases. I don't understand this area. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I've said things that have offended people. I'm sure you've said things that have offended people yes. over the course of this conversation. Yes. But that's not the aim here. Yes. Do you know what I mean? We're, Absolutely. We're trying to facilitate a, a nuanced conversation yes. that's dependent on your perspective. Yes. And, and ultimately, that's all that this is. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm assuming, and, and you know, based on your experience from these camps and the retreats that you've been on, yes. there are multiple individuals around the world from different yes. faiths, and even of no faith, I'm sure, yes. that also feel the same way that you did and do. Yeah. Yes. Um and and that's what for me that's what this is all about. So, yeah, we'll start off with your experience um with the blog and and people coming forward and then what you kind of hope to do um with the with the organization. Okay. So, um I knew I had to document my journey somehow. Um the uh, when I started the blog, I came across this blog and the Mormon community is fantastic in what they're doing. Uh, they have like so many different organizations tackling this uh, issue. And I think the blog was Gay Mormon or something. And the, the person had written personal experiences. And I said, okay, let's let's use that. You know, And like I said, when I searched be- before, I put gay Muslims. So I put gaymuslims.tumblr.com and I started just putting like, oh, I've gone into 
uh, I'm doing British mentally fitness. Oh, I've, I've stuck, you know, I've found this. Uh, finally, some Sheikh X is talking about this. I'm going to post it, you know, I'm posting my experiences. And I got responses from Indonesia. I got, actually, I was speaking to someone in Cameroon just a few days ago. Um, and some people from India, um, people from all over, I've had messages that they've somehow found the blog and it's been very helpful and, or how pe people pleading, I'm struggling, I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, it really broke my heart because I was like thinking, wow, you know, this is, a, um, uh, it's, it's not just, you know, kind of it's it's a worldwide it's like a worldwide kind of thing of different people which have been coming together i've not been as diligent mm. as updating and posting and i didn't one of the reasons where i didn't put so much because i was in my own journey at that time and i was thinking is this going to happen you know what what is going to happen with this and i think what's happened recently is everything's like sort of aligned so my wedding happened april 20 21st 2019 which was i recognize that day yeah <laughs> 2013 was the time you went on the yeah. retreat so i had uh um, so six years it was six years to the day to the day and the date to the day and the date because it was a, sa a saturday and a sunday wow um yeah so i i felt that uh and i had my wish at the start was to have a family to get married. That was my wish at the start. Mm. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, because they, they, at that time, they have a notion of higher power or speak to your higher power. What do you want? And that's what I said I wanted on that retreat at the end. You know, they say, what's your dream? What were you going to? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, six, we didn't even, it was only until we were going to do the marriage in uh, March. And then my sister said she can't do that day. So then we had to shift it. And it just aligned. It just aligned. That's and I crazy. didn't I didn't even uh, I didn't even know until I spoke to um Rich Rich Weiler, who's my um coach uh in this. And we said, Wow, you know, like isn't isn't that you know, yeah, uh isn't that amazing? And so there was an alignment and I felt spiritually after the marriage, I felt like the attractions going down more and I could resist the pornography, resist the lust more. Uh, and I had the support from my wife. Mm. Uh, have, alhamdulillah, I have her support. That I felt now's the time. You know, a lot of people were t telling me, they were saying, no, are you sure? Are you going into this? I said, no, Allah SWT, I can't tell you there have been so many times, like the Manchester community knows me really, really well, right? Yeah. Um, I, I go on the, uh, the, I'm one of the leadership there, so I go and I speak. And there's so many times people will come up to me and they'll talk about LGBT and I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say anything to my own community. Mm. And I thought I'm a community leader and I can't say if I can't say it, then, shame on us, mm -hmm. shame on us, you know. Um, so that that then it it shifted, you know. I said, okay, I uh, and I read so much about uh, the prophet saying, 
uh, one of the most difficult jihadists speaking speaking the truth, um, you know, and, and against the tyrant, against, you know, where there's truth is not being said. Yeah. Um, and that's what my intention is. My intention is I'm speaking my truth and I'm not here to offend people. I don't if you know if 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 anything that I've said or anything that the organization said is brings further shame to gay people I don't want that you know that that's the the opposite of what the intention is I the like I said the organization strong support it's not anti LGBT it's not anti these people yeah. all it's saying is if you're like me you want to live a God-centric life. You want practical ways, not theory, not theology. You want practical ways of how to get there or how to move towards a state where you're feeling in line with Allah SWT. You've reached an inner peace. And that's why I say, Alhamdulillah, if, if people, there are other organizations, if they're saying you can go the other way, which is be gay, be Muslim, have that identity. You're finding itminan in that? Brilliant. You know, because what does Allah SWT say is, Illa bi You know, like it's only in the zikr of Allah that you're finding the satisfaction. Peace, yeah. So if you found that and that's your truth, subhanAllah, that's fine. What I'm saying is, I find my, um, my peace in... Uh, not acting upon what I say is same-sex lust, but submitting to the will of Allah and then letting Allah in my life so he brings the changes. So Allah brought the change, uh, the reduction in the feelings. Uh, you know, Allah helped me see, okay, these are the negative stories I'm still holding on to, or these are the changes I need to bring in my life. One of the advices that was given to me uh, by one of the scholars was, um, you need to you need to give sadaqah. But he said to me, not just give money, you need to do charity. And subhanAllah, I had no idea at that time that I'd be... Uh, I'd be part of, I'm chairman of IUSAID and I'd start this charity which helps so many people. And because I could give and I loved the act of, okay, volunteering, giving my time, you know, doing it sincerely, I loved it so much. And I thought, if I can do this in this fair and if I can do it for, you know, from this, I can actually, you know, I can actually run an organization. I can do these things. I can, you know, uh, then Allah SWT is giving me the training for this next step in life where, uh, because I can't tell you there are so many people who used to come to me or we used to have uh, in our center, we used to talk about this. Like the topics always used to come up. I remember we were in a, uh, in a meeting with some of the leaders and they were like saying, why aren't we doing anything about about this and I'm just sat there I'm quiet I'm thinking if I if I open my mouth then everybody's gonna think how does he know what, what I've seen you so all, much about all of this what, what, what are you saying <laughs> <laughs> so oh, wow. uh, yeah so I think um, the silence around this issue was deafening yeah but it's it, this is the thing it's it's uh, I feel that there's such a struggle because as I said, like having a religious perspective that homosexuality, the you know, acting out on homosexual thoughts is a sin, mm. um, 
is is such a taboo in 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 a western setting yeah in in british society to say that i believe homosexuality is a sin yes is very difficult yeah to to not be ridiculed in like in the workplace you know what i mean yeah and that's that's where it's got to now where there's like there's a freedom of thought and a freedom of expression on every side apart from the religious side yeah or the traditional religious side let's say um and so, yeah, and, and this is the thing. So I feel like even within our centers, there's this reluctance to actually approach and tackle the topic appropriately and, and, and in a give, nuanced way. Give practical solutions. Yeah, yeah, because also it's like there's there's still the shame attached to it as well. I mean, it's mm. there's so many different uh, layers to it. And I think it's it's going to be years of of struggling to educate the community to fight for kind of our our religious rights and freedoms hmm. to believe a certain way. Yeah. And and again, I, I as I said, I don't want to talk about RSE, but yeah. RSE opens that whole kettle of fish about like what are we teaching our what what are we allowing our kids to be taught from a young age? Yeah. Um, you know, which resources are schools going to be using that fits the curriculum? Is mm. it going to be the ones that are produced by Stonewall? Mm. Or are we as the Muslim community going to make our own resources mm. that we can teach RSE? Because RSE is fundamentally important. It is. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. I, I don't think the stance that, oh, young people shouldn't know about pride. Of course they should. This yes. stuff is, is, is crucial. Yes. Right? To a avoid people getting abused and things like that. Yes. But it depends on how far they go. I've seen resources that be made by third-party organizations. Yes that are hugely worrying and damaging yeah. and and contributing towards the hypersexualization within yes. society. And that's, for me, that's a concern. I've yeah. got a young daughter who's going to be going to school in a few years time. Yeah. And I, I want to like, whilst, whilst it's important that she's taught tolerance, that there are some families that might have two dads or two mums or one mum, and you know what I mean? That kind of thing. That's important tolerance because we live in a multicultural society. Yeah. But then to then go on and talk about your body and, and, and exploring yourself and this. At such a young age. At such a young age. And, and that's, that's where, and I feel like we're doing it. I keep saying we don't want to talk about RSE, but we're talking about RSE. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's where like the protests that are going on yeah. um, outside schools in Birmingham and all this yes. kind of stuff. There are a lot of confused notions. Yeah. But underpinning it is for me at least, there's there's this kind of, when I when I frame it as like a liberal agenda, yeah, it sounds a bit thingy. But like there is a, a essentially an agenda at play, yeah, um, that leads towards the abolition of religion. Yes, to say you believe in God in certain settings again is alien. Yeah, is laughable. Yeah, and that's fundamentally a problem for me. Yeah, we're we're talking a lot more broadly than the actual issues. Yeah, uh, I mean the actual issue that we of of the podcast. But yes. I feel like. There's there's so much work that needs to be done at every level, and, and absolutely, and yeah. What you're doing, which is really important, is contributing in the best way that you can to help the people that you can. Yeah, and, and I hope you're able to kind of take this, take the, the 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 project, the organization, and go around to Muslim communities in the UK and say, look, this is my story. This is what I've been through. I guarantee you, there are people in your community going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately the current infrastructure in place does not facilitate for their progression, growth, development, coming out of the struggle, basically. Yeah. So here, here it is. I've, I've been through it. And um, I wanted to ask you, sorry, one, one last question, kind of looking back a little bit, with regards to the kind of the retreats that you've been on, 
and everything else. There's two things. Number one, um, what's the kind of success rate? Mm. Um, I don't know if it's if it's that binary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And secondly, um, I'm I'm assuming it's not like uh, okay, you're fixed, you're you're sorted now, you're done. Yeah. I feel like it's a it's a lifetime it, yes. kind of thing. Like you're yeah. you're going to be in touch with your mentor, your coach, or whoever Absolutely. for a yeah. long time, and yeah. you're also going to contribute and mentor others and and all that kind of stuff, yes. right? Yeah. So it's almost like I, I mean, it's like that with everyone, right? Yeah. For yeah. people that struggle to wake up for salah in the morning, for example, yes. yeah, it's not like suddenly you pray to God. Yeah. Okay, I can now wake up at four a.m. No problem. Yeah. It's a lifetime struggle. Absolutely. So I assume it's exactly the same here. It's the same. Like I'm coming to you and i'm saying i'm not fixed it's not like that or i'm not you know like i said i started i'm not straight i'm gay i have when i when i was younger i had like uh huge attractions and i'd be like very um distressed by the attractions and now maybe i have attraction maybe like once a month or like if i or if i see a, a handsome man going by i'd say subhanallah okay you know like he's 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 good looking but i wouldn't lust you know i wouldn't yeah. take that person and then go back and think about that person and think them in a lustful way i can say okay subhanallah is the time to go to gym he's he's got that time in his life he can look after his body subhanallah yeah. fine wish i could do it you know or maybe i should go to the gym and you know kind of cultivate thine myself instead of looking at him and saying oh you know this is this is really hot or you know mm. or in a in a very lustful way yeah so the attraction and i actually sometimes don't um, I had to reframe this just because I'm attracted to a beautiful looking man doesn't mean I have lust because that was very confusing for me as well because yeah. in my journey it was like oh so this this guy is handsome does that mean I still have lust oh it doesn't it, it just means he's he's he's, he's good looking you yeah. know and it's basically the difference between does the attraction then turn into something do I fantasize about that person do I you know um uh does it turn into an act like the quran says does it you come on to dim tuna? like i say it's the action mm. it's not the identity it's the act the act of doing it and um the in terms of what it's widely quoted is they say uh one third completely change like this is like the um thomas aquinas clinic which has which probably sees this is in America, which sees most of the clients and they do this reintegrative therapy, they call it now, yeah. or do you call, call it reparative therapy? They say a third change, a third experience, some type of change, like some, but not like fully change, and a third don't. That's what they used to say. And for me, when I look back at that, I say, well, how, how are they defining change? If they're defining change in attraction or what, what are they kind of looking at because for me the change was i left god and i found god you know that was what the change was for me yes. so allah subhanahu ta'ala made uh the attraction in a sense i was able to address the attraction because that need to connect was a halal need the need to connect with my male friends, with my community, that's a halal need. That mm. needed to be met. Once that need was met and I felt like a man, I felt supported. I, you know, uh, I, I've, I had confidence, I had self-esteem. 
then I go back and I say, oh, I'm masculine. And now, oh, this feminine seems different. Hmm. They're, they're different. They're not like us. They're, you know, like what you go through when you're younger, yeah, yeah, then yeah, you yeah. go through that phase. Um, so I wouldn't say that the attractions are completely gone, mm. at least for me. But what I have tend to do is that I can now have like with my wife, be intimate with my wife, be attracted towards her yeah. and have that sense of security. The difference between a heterosexual and a person who's gone through our work is a heterosexual would look at them and it'll, they'll start with lust or it'll start with the physical. There'll be a physical attraction. Yeah. Whereas with me or people who do our work, they'll have an emotional attraction first and then the physical comes after. Because it's like, um, what does Hazrat Lu Islam say? He says, I'm trustful. And that's the basis of what I need to trust that individual first because before I can... Feel. I can feel the so, feel the attraction. So f for you, was um, finding or, or discovering attraction for women, uh, was that like a learned behavior, or was that always there and suppressed? Like how how do you how do you perceive that? Yeah, and I think that's what you asked me earlier. I I think I always had it because I I loved femininity i loved you know like the fe uh, feminine um uh, uh the people who are females in my community like i have huge respect for my mom and i liked femininity i wanted to be close to them but it was like hang on in terms of emotional because i know a lot of people come to this and they have negative views on femininity and they don't they can't stand females and they don't so they have to do work on that yeah. alhamdulillah my work was more on reclaiming everybody has their own work yeah, yeah my yeah. my work was reclaiming my masculinity when i was able to do that and i didn't feel i was emasculated you know so one of the concepts they teach you is anima so anima is uh, the femininity which exists in masculinity. So this is like a concept where this is above my my capacity. You know, you yeah, so you can you can, talking, you, can you can look up anima. <laughs> anima is like everybody. No one is masculine, feminine. There's we all have a bit of masculinity yeah. and femininity okay. in us. We've got both traits, right? And this was a beautiful thing that my mom said. My fam, the first time I told my mom, my mom was like, you know, I used to be like a tomboy when I was young. I used to uh, try, climb trees and like uh, ride on uh, motorbikes. And, and I was like, subhanAllah, that was the exactly right thing to say at that time when I told her. Mm. Um, and... That's what I feel. I feel I have the masculinity and the femininity. I was injured in my perception of masculinity and I needed to strengthen that. And once I've strengthened that and I don't feel emasculated by the femininity, as in the femininity is so strong, it emasculates me. Then from that state of assertiveness, then I can have a, a husband-wife instead of a mother-son kind of relationship if that if that kind of makes I understand, sense yeah yeah so it was kind of that shift which is i'm still kind of like it's uh my 
my wife's just got spouse visa so we've been together three weeks so it's like the early patches at the time where we uh so we're kind of as any newly married if we're couple, talking about marriage i've got six years of experience <laughs> listen let's not even start i mean that comes with its own things isn't it and then we've got as uh, the uh, same sex lust on uh oh, you God, know yeah. like just just no, to it's, it as in yeah like, i mean speaking briefly about your wife obviously i, I don't know her i haven't met her but I, I think it's it's incredibly brave. Um, oh, she's incredible! It, it's unbelievable and like well, unbelievable. I mean, it, it's phenomenal. Yeah, um, that she's kind of been brave enough to to empower you on this journey. Absolutely. Um, and and I guess any kind of reward coming your way an equal portion if not more is going to her for she's in she's in the board she's in the strong support board (laughs) so it's like i'm picking like i'm uh speaking to people of okay let's get together and kind of so she she's part and she's like i want to be at the forefront i want to be helping and i want to be i I think that's really good because again it's like when when people like when when yusuf brother yusuf wrote the blog on uh muslim matters yes he talks about his wife and kids yeah but that's not the focus of the conversation yeah just like this we're, we're talking about your wife now yeah but the focus has been you and your struggle and everything else yes but i'm sure with him as well without having a supportive and strong wife oh yeah absolutely. you wouldn't be able to yeah to, to do everything right and, and this is why i've called the uh the organization strong support this is one of the reasons yeah. why I chose the name. And then the other reason is I just want to get get it right because it's the, uh, the the verse of the Quran. This is chapter uh, eleven, Surah Hud, and it's verse eighty. Uh, so verse seventy nine is saying, "They said, you certainly know that we have no interest in your daughters." So this is when Hazrat Islam is bringing his daughters forwards and saying. Um, and indeed, you know what we want. You know what we want. We don't want those. We don't want those daughters. So at that moment, uh, and this ayah kept, when I, when I finished Journey Beyond the Retreat, this ayah kept speaking to me. Like, I always, I don't know why, but it kept speaking to me. And um, it says, uh, he said, if only I had the power to deter you, Kalulon, they become kuwa. If I had some power, some strength to deter you, oh, awa, awa means refuge. I had a power or refuge. Kuwa, oh, awa, ala, rukunin shadid. So he says in full, he said, if only I had strength or power to deter you or could take refuge in a mighty support, a rukunin shadid or a strong. Uh, support like rukun is obviously like corner but it, it can mean like mm. support and shadid is something you know kind of a valiant support or a strong support so when when i saw at that time hazrat lut al-islam he's he's giving him his basically so he's offering in a sense he's offering the solution or he's saying you know why why are you not going why are you dismissing women because essentially that's what they're doing they're dismissing the women um when the when it comes back and he's like okay what do i do now and then he calls upon allah he says if i could have that rukun and chitid that strong support and i felt that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that you know 
uh, that that strong support which kept me through this, which helped me. When there was no one, there was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. Uh, when I couldn't reach out, in my years of silence, when I couldn't go out to anyone, it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until this day, the person who's giving me strength to come up here, giving the kuwa to come to come up here is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So um, that was, and, and the aim of the organization at, at, at least now I've come to this platform uh, where uh, we've created a Google Forms, a Google Drive. So there is a form which um, uh, if people who are like me and they're Muslims and they're facing same-sex lust, same-sex attraction, then that's uh, the premise is if you go on that, you fill in that form, it's on uh, the blog uh, gaymuslims.tumblr.com. Uh, and then I want to hear from them to what levels of support they need. Now, the levels of support which I had was the video conference, which I had because um, actually uh, SOC, sexual orientation change effort is banned in the UK. You can't do it. So in an in in international platform, you can at least talk about it. And it's and there's a whole chapter which I've not discussed in. Amazon has banned Nicolosi's books. They've banned it. And there is such an unfortunate um, uh, attempt to silence this movement or to silence this, this way. Look, I'm not anti-LGBT. I'm saying we, we live in freedom of speech, right? So why, why can't we have our own voice? Why can't and and if you if you come to me and if you say Ali, what you're doing is shaming, or what the organization is doing is or Brothers Road is doing shaming, the core principles they teach you is I am good and valuable just as I am. That's how you start. You can't start work from a place of shame. You have to say Alhamdulillah, like I say, Alhamdulillah, Allah has given me same-sex lust. Alhamdulillah. I'm starting from that place where I'm saying, Alhamdulillah, Allah has given me this. Then the next step, only then, you can't work from a work of shame. So if any of the practices, at least, and I can only speak for myself, I know other people have had negative experiences with this work. I've had life-changing, confidence-giving, brilliant experiences so much so that i'm i'm uh, i'm stood here and i'm speaking to my community of people who probably don't you know uh don't know about this uh but alhamdulillah i had my family my family my mom my dad my sisters my brothers my extended family my friends my wife i had alhamdulillah such a support from them and i think that's what's lacking that's what's lacking in the mm. community. Give them that sense of support. Give them a safe space where they uh, these people can come. We can speak. It's a, a, the thing I'm going to be purporting. It's a closed setting, you know. So anything that you, if you come to these circles and we have this discussion, it's all confidential. You know, it's a safe, secure place. And from whatever identity you're coming, uh, you know, some people actually come to this work there uh, hetero heterosexual some of them come to these retreats but they have issues around masculinity issues around confidence none of the work is actually anything to do with sex it's all to do with uh how am i feeling what are the negative beliefs mm. when this what is at the root of lust the root of lust is hasad it's saying 
this other person's got something I want, you know. Why do you feel that? What is it that I'm lacking within myself? The work is all around myself, my nafs, jihad al-nafs. It's all around working around myself and, you know, kind of, which, which then goes, because when I see it holistically, I smile and I think, so this is my route of reaching God, you know. Everything goes back to taqwa, you know living that God-centricity life where I'm not living, I'm not living a life where one desire is going to pull me this way and another desire is going to pull me this way. I'm living a life of God-centricity. And what does that mean? It means I'm following what I believe is truth. This is my truth and this is what I'm speaking for. I think that might be a, a good place to end. Yeah. You, you, you rounded it off very nicely. Um, you know, I wanted to thank you, obviously, for, for coming in, for sharing your story. Um, it, it, as I've, I've mentioned a few times, it's incredibly brave of you. And I think now having, I guess, heard in full, I guess it's not even full, but, you know, having you having presented kind of an overview mm -hmm. of, of your kind of life so far and the experiences that you've had. Um, as I said, it, it's, it's remarkable to think that two thirds of your life um, you've spent completely alone dealing with this stuff. And as I mentioned earlier, you're incredibly brave to have kind of come out of that um, and to now, inshallah, be doing the work that you're doing. Um, and and I, I, I'm, I'm in awe of, of that. Um, again, with regards to, to, your, to your wife and to your family and, and the people around you as well, um, I think it's fantastic the support that you've had. Um, and, and I think, at least for the Muslim community, from my experience within the UK, um, it's much needed um, looking at, at, at this particular subject area and being able to approach it with nuance um, and, and being able to offer the kind of um, avenues and solutions that you're, you're kind of talking about. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think that's, that's pretty much everything. Again, thank you very much for coming thank down. Thank you so much. Um, and, and definitely, you know, let's, let's be in touch. It'll, it'll be good to hear what happens with the organization, the kind of work you're doing, the way we can support as well. Yeah, um, can't wait. Yeah. Then, then yeah, let yeah. me know. Brilliant. Thank, thank you. you.